Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. Our Sunday services have now moved online and you can tune in every week for worship, prayer and our weekly sermon by going to christchurchlondon.org forward slash church hyphen at hyphen home. We're now going to hear the talk from this week's Church at Home service. Hey Bethel Green Service, it is great to be able to speak directly to you today if I've not seen you since we've begun in-person services, we miss you. We can't wait to see you, hopefully at some point soon. And I hope this message encourages you today, wherever you are. As some of you will know, every year we take time out from our regular series to give an opportunity for service leaders to speak directly to their services. And today is that day. So if you're thinking, that's not my service leader, you have tuned into the wrong video Uh, but you are very much welcome to stay and what I'll be sharing today has relevance for the whole church so you too are very much welcome. Now I don't need to tell you just how significant a moment we are in right now. We are literally going through a time in history that will be remembered unlike any year in my lifetime. We're living in and through an unprecedented time. As a city, as a a whole nation as a society, we've become completely destabilized. And this time has has led many of us into a time of reflection. When life has been turned upside down, when you live through such a significant moment, it's natural to reflect on our lives, to re-establish what's important to us, to re-evaluate our goals and whether we want to make a change. Now, for some of us, This will be to do with maybe our work. We want a change of career or we're lacking fulfillment. Or maybe we've lost work or our job as a result of the pandemic. For others, it will be our relationships or where we live. But the deeper fundamental choice beneath all of those questions is this. What are we going to devote our lives to? Now, this is particularly challenging for the specific culture we live in here in London. Our highest values are freedom, achievement, prosperity, health and a safe and secure life. And this year these seeming secure ideals have been brought to a devastating halt. Our freedoms have been restricted, our economic future is uncertain and of course our health is under threat and this chasing after a safe, secure, prosperous life is becoming more and more precarious. Like other places, we are not used to moments like this, and in many ways we are not prepared. But despite this, the the precariousness of this, it still seems pretty tempting. Despite the unravelling and insecurity that we are faced with, we are still so easily distracted by what Jesus called the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things. In such a changing world, There is a battle going on for our devotion. And we are faced with a choice. Are we going to stay devoted to Jesus and his call on his followers? Or will we allow this moment to distract us from what Jesus called life that is truly life? We've been in East London now for nearly five years. We started the morning service just last year, in fact, nearly a year ago today. And together we have been trying to create a community that is deeply devoted to Jesus, to each other and to East London. 
And in many ways, it, it still feels like we're just getting started. There is still more I believe God wants to do in us and through us. And my hope and my prayer for this day, that in this moment of uncertainty, that we make a decision. We are going to devote our lives to Jesus, to each other and to this city once more. Although this kind of experience is new to us, we are not the first group of people to go through something like this. In Acts, we read about the birth of the church. And in this story of this small group of people, we can learn how these followers of Jesus responded in times of crisis. We learn what qualities they cultivated, what the environment was, what was important to them, and what their expectations were of what a life well lived looked like. And we're going to look at that group of people today. And the passage we'll read from in a moment is in Acts. It's Acts 2 verses 41 to 47. But before I do that, let me just give you some context to this story. These disciples, these early followers of Jesus, have witnessed this monumental moment. Jesus has died, he's risen from the dead, and in doing so he's defeated sin and idolatry. And he's now ascended to be with the Father. But Jesus says to them, these disciples, don't leave the city, don't leave Jerusalem until you've received the Holy Spirit. And then you will receive power. The disciples were together and what's described as a sound like the blowing of a violent wind fills the house where they are meeting. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And one of the signs of this was through the speaking of different languages, which the Bible calls different tongues. Now, why was that the sign? Why was that the display of the Spirit working in them? Well, the significance of different languages was symbolic of the kingdom that Jesus came to build. This moment happens during the time of Pentecost, the period of time just after the Passover celebration. So Jews from all around the known world had come to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. And we read that these followers of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, are speaking in these language, di languages different to their own. And they're recognised by these people that have come to Jerusalem. They're recognised as their own language. We read that Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Cretans and Arabs, all hear the wonders of God in their own language. Peter then gets up, explains to them that Jesus is the Messiah, the saviour of the world, the son of God, and that the Holy Spirit has come, just as the Old Testament had prophesied. 3,000 people became followers of Jesus at that moment. Why is this significant? Well, it's significant because right at the beginning, with the coming of the Holy Spirit and the birth of the church, you get this beautiful picture of diversity, of people of different races and cultures coming together, united under Jesus. That this kingdom was for every tongue and every nation. And then we get to the passage for today, Acts 2, verses 41 to 47. And let's pick up the story here. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. 
All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Here we read this incredible portrayal of a community of love, of generosity and of joy. In fact, Pastor Erwin Ince, who recently wrote a book on church community and diversity, he describes it as the beautiful community. But this passage is it's almost written as if this could be the end of the story. This amazing thing has happened. They're devoted to Jesus. They're giving generously to each other. They're doing life together. People are joining them and they lived happily ever after. But we know that isn't the end. It's only the beginning of the book of Acts, which is why these few verses are so important because it explains what happens next. It gives us context to what happens next. What seems like an ideal situation did not continue. And we go on to read in Acts 7 that Stephen, one of these members of the church, is killed because of his faith. And the persecution of the church begins. We read that they grieve for him and that they are forced to scatter, to leave one another, to leave Jerusalem. But as they scatter, they continue to speak about Jesus and spread the good news of his kingdom. And many people decide to follow Jesus as a result. Despite the persecution, they didn't stop. Despite the persecution, the church continued to grow. They didn't give up. Following Jesus was so important to them, they continued. And this is a theme right through the book of Acts. Fruitfulness despite struggle. Persistence through trial. Devotion in the midst of pain. And what I want us to think about today is this characteristic we read about in Acts 2 that shaped those people in the church. And this characteristic is devotion. They were devoted. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to truth and to scripture. They were devoted to each other, to community, to fellowship, to friendship. And as we've seen, this was a group of diverse people that would have had many differences and different experiences and cultures, yet they were devoted to each other. They devoted themselves to breaking bread, which can mean both eating together in each other's homes, but also communion, remembering Jesus and what he has done. And they devoted themselves to prayer, knowing that they could not live life without relationship with God or his presence and his power. Devotion was at the heart of this early community. And it was this characteristic that prepared them for the difficulty that was to come. If their faith was built upon this idea that life would be easy or following Jesus would make them prosperous or successful or powerful or healthy, when they faced such difficulty, the church would have died out long ago. In fact, this is a reason why many people have come to faith. The disciples and the early church were so devoted to Jesus, even in the face of death, they continued. They didn't stop. Now, why would they have done that if they didn't wholeheartedly believe that Jesus was who he 
he said he was. In the world's eyes, there was just nothing in it for them. There was nothing for them to gain. Their devotion prepared them for the challenges to come. I think that was true then, and I think it's true for us today. That if we are to live the life we're called to live, if we're to be the community we are called to be, we need to learn how to be devoted. Devoted to Jesus, his word, to each other, and to prayer. The definition of, of devotion is someone who is extremely loving and loyal. Not just loving and loyal, extremely loving and loyal. When you're devoted, it means that you've made a decision for one thing at the expense of something else. Devoters, uh, devotion orders our priorities. You cannot be devoted to everything. It's like you've made one decision that then influences every other decision you make. And so for these early followers of Jesus, their faith was the foundation on which they built their life. It defined who they were. Here's how one commentary put it. The new converts didn't merely add Christianity to their already busy lives, but devoted themselves to their Christian experience. Verse 42 is a compact description of Christian discipleship. When we become followers of Jesus, we're not devoting ourselves to an outcome or a result that we are striving for, that can be taken out of our hands through circumstances or our own failure. We're not even devoting ourselves to a philosophy or a lifestyle. We're devoting ourselves to a person, to a relationship. And not only that, we're, we're devoting ourselves to a person who is completely devoted to us. In 1 John it says, we love because Jesus first loved us. Jesus' devotion to us, his extreme love and loyalty led him to the cross. Now, here's the tricky thing with devotion and a talk like this. It sounds great, but how do we do it? And not only that, it seems like there are forces at work that come right up against this vision of devotion. Distraction would be one. In fact, distraction is probably the antithesis of devotion. Now, sometimes I cannot believe how distracted I can get. I'll go into a room to get something or to do something. I'll come back and then I'll, I'll realise that I didn't actually do or get the thing I originally wanted. Instead, I saw something else and I just did that instead. And that's in the, in the real world, let alone the online world. If you're anything like me, you'll, you'll be suddenly on the BBC News website and you had no idea how you got there or why you're there. Distraction has become an instinct. It's all around us. But this isn't about distraction in the everyday parts of life, important though they are. And the danger could be that all you hear today is that I'm asking you to do more stuff, to add more things to our already busy and hurried lives. What I'm talking about today is what we're giving our life to. This is about what forms the centre, the foundation of who we are. It's that one decision that influences all of our decisions. It's about putting God's kingdom first and knowing that all the security, all the love that we are searching for in created things will be given to us when we devote ourselves to Jesus. And what we see in this passage in Acts is that this devotion leads to clear, practical things. For them, it, it was devoting themselves to teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread and to prayer, as well as giving generously to those who had need. 
Now for us, it's likely to be similar things too. But what strikes me about this passage is that everything these early followers of Jesus did, they did together. They devoted themselves to each other. They gave to anyone who had need. They met together regularly and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now we can't do that right now, but the principle is still the same. And they were open. Every day there were new people coming to be part of this community. They weren't exclusive or insular. Everyone was welcome. It really is such a beautiful description of the kind of community the church can become. And I want us to be a community like that. And if this is a, a compact description of discipleship, then it is abundantly clear that following Jesus isn't done in private. It is done in community. It is done together. If we are to do more than just, just get through this moment, if we're going to get to the other side, to a place of fruitfulness, what we learn from the early church is to devote ourselves to Jesus and to each other. What inspired this group of people, what made it possible to say of them that they had everything in common wasn't to do with shared experiences or shared interests or shared hobbies. Their commonality was in their devotion. Now the challenge for us is that, is that London tells us to live a different way. London celebrates and rewards the achievements of individuals. London tells us that if you are successful, you are worth something. And if you're not, you're not. London tells us to compete to get ahead and London seems to make it impossible to cultivate deep friendships where, where not knowing your neighbours becomes an ironic joke rather than a deep and heartbreaking social problem. But what if there were communities of people across the city that were living to a different story, a different narrative, who weren't living for Project Self, but in this time of such change and challenge were devoted to something bigger than themselves? Now, I have no idea what's going to happen over the next year or so. But I know that now is not the time for us to shrink back, to allow the narrative of Project Self to distract us from the mission that God has given his church. There are and there will be significant challenges to come. And our small community here in East London and churches throughout this city have the potential to meet those challenges for the good of our city. Now, Dee and I, we are often just so grateful that we get to be part of this community. We are inspired by you so much. And it's not because of, of your achievements, but because of your devotion to Jesus. And I'm praying that with God's presence and that together we can not just get through this moment, but see God move through us to bless East London. As I said earlier, significant moments like this, they lead us to reflect and recalibrate. And I wonder, when, when persecution came for those early followers, whether they felt confused or, or destabilised or uncertain, and whether they were or not, we know what choice they made, and we are part of the legacy of that choice. But, but what about us? What about you? Will we make a decision to devote ourselves to God's kingdom coming in London as it is in heaven? And will we devote ourselves to each other, to his call on our lives, wherever that might lead? Here's what Jose Humphrey says in his book, Seeing Jesus in East Harlem. 
We are called to be God's experiment in how people stay together in a divided world. Now more than ever, whether churches are in a city, town or country, we need churches that will dismantle the walls of hostility that keep us apart, uncoiling people from shame and hiding, allowing God's very good news to unfurl us into our full humanity as image bearers. I am grateful to play a small part in such a grand and heavenly enterprise. Today's world requires a deeper discipleship for the glory of God and the good of our global family. Not just for our own sake, but also for the sake of future generations who will eventually show up for God's invitation. We have plenty at stake. I'm just going to pray for us now and ask that we will all be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we will be filled with his presence as we seek to make a difference together in East London. Why don't you bow your heads? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have called us to this community. We thank you that you have called us to this city and to East London. And Holy Spirit, we ask that in this moment of significant uncertainty, of pain, of struggle, of challenge, that you are come by your presence now. Fill every heart that is listening to this. Empower every one of us to love our neighbour, to love our community, to do good. Lord, we ask that you would help us to grow in our devotion to you. Would you increasingly show us the extent of your love for us, of your devotion to us? And Lord, would we not see our faith as, as an individual pursuit? Would we not see our faith as something we need to do alone? God, but would we join in with this community of believers? Would we join in and take part in this community, in this church? Lord, would you help us? Would you help us to grow and cultivate an environment of love, of generosity, of prayer, of hospitality, of welcome? And Lord, we just ask that you would add to our number. Lord, we'd ask that many people will come to know you through this church would you bless our services would you bless our alpha courses and lord for anyone watching now who is thinking i want to be a part of a community like that help us to welcome them in we thank you so much for all that you've done in us and through us these last five years and god we ask you to, to continue to work through us thank you for all that you've done we praise your name Amen. We hope you enjoyed this talk from the Christchurch London podcast. To hear other talks or find out more about our Sunday services, head to ChristchurchLondon.org.